You are listening to the sermon podcast of Nielsville Presbyterian Church, a Christ-centered church in Germantown, Maryland. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org. This morning we continue our series on the gospel. It's a life changer. This week we talk about, as Tamara has said, with the Chosen Ministry, the messengers of the gospel. Uh, Last week we looked at what the message is, this royal announcement that Jesus has come, the historic Jesus has come to be our king and as our savior, to save us from our sins and to to be our new ruler, the one who, who, who rules our lives, who changes our lives. So as we focus on this morning, this message, and how we proclaim that message, I want to ask you, what kind of messenger are you? Are you a messenger that keeps it private and not willing to share it with others? Are you a kind of messenger that tries to ram it down one another's throats so that they could hear the gospel? Are you afraid if you do share your faith, what kind of messenger you would be? Are, are you confident that God is with you as you share this message, this great world message to others. This morning, I believe Paul gives us some clues on what it looks like to be a messenger of this great royal announcement that Jesus has come to be our king and to be our savior. So let's look again at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. Follow along as I read. I thank him who has given me strength, Jesus Christ our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are ours in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy, Paul is saying, bank on it, deserving of full acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ may display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Let's pray. Father God, we who have received this royal message we who have ourselves tasted and seen this, you as our Savior and our King, or to be a kind of messenger. And so, Father, as we look at this passage this morning, Holy Spirit, help us to be that kind of messenger that you want us to be. Help us to learn. Holy Spirit, open our ears and our eyes to hear, hear and to see those things that you would want us to see this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I consider that in my own life, I've been a Christian for, I was calculating that, for 37 years. I became a Christian when I was in college, when I was 10 years old. (laughs) A little bit older than that. (laughs) As you know, some of you know my story, that I, I was raised in the church, but I really didn't understand what the gospel is and was, until I went to college and through some friends who uh, reached out to me, who built a friendship with me, Val was, was one of them, I began to learn about what it meant to be a follower of Christ. So you understand, I thought my, I was good enough, right? That, yeah, I believed in God, but I really didn't know I really needed a Savior, right? I, I was a good kid. I did all the 
right things. And that, that kept me from really trusting and believing in the good news of the gospel. But in my sophomore year, early sophomore year, God began to change that and began to show me that I needed a savior, that I needed a king. And that savior and that king was Jesus Christ, the one who came as a babe and to live a perfect life and to die on the cross and to rise again on the third day. Then as I evaluate that in my life, as I began that journey of faith, I got entrenched in this Christian group that was great for me. It trained me in how I, how I was to be a messenger of grace. But interesting what happened, you know, my, 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 my prideful ways of, you know, of thinking that I was good enough continued to play itself in. In fact, Val made a comment early in, our, in, in, in college that, that it was more fun when I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> I became legalistic, I became sometimes judgmental, but even in that, as I was a messenger in that way, God chose to use me to bring my sister and my mother and my father to the, to the Lord. Sorry, I wasn't expecting that. But, um, and it was a great way how God uses someone who's broken and needy, and yet in my attempts to be that messenger of the gospel, he uses it. And then when I'm in my banking and career, as, as I was trained in auto evangelism, I began to volunteer in the church, and I, I would teach classes on evangelism. I, would, I, I was a chairman of the evangelism committee for our church and continued to figure out how, how do we to share this message? How, how are we to proclaim this message? And even in those times, God began to humbly and break me. What, what, am, I, what am I communicating? What do I want to leave people? And so this, I believe this message that Paul gives us to Timothy helps us to see how we are to be a messenger of the gospel. And so I want us to look at two ways that we can see that. In verses 12 and 13, we see this royal announcement of the gospel empowers us to be a messenger of service to him and to others. And then in verse 16, we see that, that, that God empowers us to be a messenger of a changed life to others. So look with me at verses 12 and 13. The royal message of the gospel empowers us to be a messenger of service to him and to others. Let me read again. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Jesus Christ our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. Paul is saying when it comes to serving the Lord, we need supernatural power. See, Paul himself testified to this reality. His effectiveness of ministry did not depend upon his natural talent, his Ivy League education, or following a set of religious methods. So Paul thanks the Lord that he was spiritually empowered. What did he say to the church in Philippi? He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So what kind of service did, did God call Paul to? What did God, how did God empower Paul to do that ministry? See, Christ appointed Paul to be an apostle, a spokesman of Jesus. And now, he says, Christ has given him the strength to serve in that way. In fact, he says he was judged. He judged me faithful. Now listen, this does not mean that Jesus Christ trusted him because he perceived him to be inherently trustworthy or inherently his fitness or faithful was due, his fitness and his faithfulness was due to that inner strength that has been promised by God, this work of God in his life. In fact, to say it another way, Paul was considered to be in faith with the gospel, that God gave him the ability to be faithful. 
I like what Philip Riken, president of Wheaton College, used to be a pastor of Teth Presbyterian Church in, in Philadelphia and a theologian. He says this, this may refer to the period of preparation between Paul's conversion and his commission, between becoming a Christian and becoming an apostle. God had confidence that Paul would be an reliable minister. And this, again, does not mean that Paul proved himself worthy. Think about it. Think about it. Can any of us prove ourselves worthy to be an apostle, to be a spokesman of Jesus? See, the whole point of Paul's passage to Timothy is that he was unworthy to receive God's grace. See, God made Paul trustworthy. And then God then entrusted him with the gospel, and that gospel now empowers him to serve as an apostle, as a spokesman for Jesus, as a messenger as Jesus. That is why Paul is so thankful to God for the privilege of serving him as an apostle. You get in a sense as he writes this, this, this note, this letter to Timothy, that he was blown away, that he's overwhelmed by God, by God's abundant strength given to him to serve in light of where he came from, in fact. And now let's look, let's look at where Paul came from. Many of us may not have that kind of testimony. Maybe some of you do have that kind of testimony. But who was Paul? What does it say in verse 13? It says, through formerly I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was an insolent opponent. Paul was not exaggerating what he said here. He was present when a Christian leader, Stephen, was stoned and gave the approval of his death. He was a ringleader of the awful persecution of Christians during his day. He ravaged the church and dragged men and women to prison for their faith in Jesus. He voted for them to die. He even tried to make Christians blaspheme their God. Look, Paul was a violent, blasphemous, self-serving man until he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, he turned his service from hate to love, from killing Christians to helping them find true life, eternal life in Christ, from being self-serving to be God-serving. So with that in mind, he was thankful for the amazing, overflowing strength to serve in such a radically free and life-giving way. Many of you may know Chuck Colson as he passed away a few years ago. He was special counsel to President Nixon. He was also known as the hatchet man, for nothing was going to get in his way from pursuing President Nixon's agenda. In the Watergate scandal, he pleaded guilty of obstruction of justice and served seven months of a one to three year prison sentence. Colson was, before his conversion to Christ, was described as prideful, arrogant, self-centered, rude, manipulative, controlling. But in prison, the gospel found him and it changed him forever. By God's grace, the former White House hatchet man was transformed into a humble servant, seeking to proclaim God's love and forgiveness in the mo to the most of those who are in need of mercy. And he founded a ministry called Prison Fellowship, which now expands over to 100 countries and continues to introduce the gospel to Jesus, to prisoners, and to their families. Many of you know of the angel tree. His passion and sense of obligation, God's calling, and to his fellow inmates took Colson into prisons several times a year. He visited some 600 prisons in the U.S. and over 40 other countries. 
He built a movement and at one time extended to more than 50,000 ministry volunteers. And early in his ministry and through prison, prison fellowship, he was, a, he was vocal in his disgust of the terrible conditions in prisons and the need for more humane conditions and better access to religious programs. The gospel changed his life and he wanted to bring that message to all that would hear it. In fact, I love how Boston Globe wrote in 1973 about Colson. He says this, if Mr. Colson can repent of his sins, there just has to be hope for everybody. <laughs> but I'm sure many saw that in Paul. If this guy who killed Christians could come to faith in Christ, there is hope for everyone. Those who think they're good and those who think they, are, they don't measure up. And we may not be the Paul, the Apostle Paul or Chuck, yet God still calls us to be messengers of the royal announcement of the gospel and service to him and to others. You see, Paul and, and Chuck's thankfulness to God for their calling to be messengers of the gospel should encourage us to be thankful for giving us opportunities to serve him, to be that messenger to others. And so the question is, do we thank God for the ministry that he called us to, to our families, to those within our church, to our community at large, or in your vocation. Even as you're folding the laundry, balancing your checkbook, cooking dinner, doing schoolwork, teaching your children, obeying your parents, feeding the homeless, listening to the pains of others, or whatever you do, are we thanking God for the high privilege of serving in his name? Are we overwhelmed knowing that we've been called for a purpose and for a reason? If you're honest as much as I am honest, we are at times ungrateful because we are to become tired of ministry. We get tired of serving God in the of others. We, claim, we proclaim about having to serve the Lord rather than thanking him for the privilege to serve. We're tempted to think that God should, should thank us for our awesome service. And yet Paul counted with great joy that he was chosen to be this messenger of the gospel, to bless others, to give his life to others. I'm reminded of what Nancy DeMoss says. Again, last week I shared about, Jesus shared a, a story, a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector who went to pray. And the Pharisee said, oh, how, look how good I am. Look at all that I do. Aren't I wonderful? And then he talked about this tax collector who could hardly, could even come into the presence of God because he realized how broken and needy and sinful he was. And Jesus says, which one went home justified? And it was the one who saw their need, the brokenness, the tax collector. And so Nancy DeMosk created a list of the difference between the proud spirits and the humble spirits. And she says this, proud, unbroken people have a desire for self-advancement. They are driven to be recognized and appreciated. They say the ministry is privileged to have me. That's the Pharisee. And coming from that perspective, I am a recovering Pharisee. But the humble, broken people have a sense of unworthiness. They are thrilled to be used at all, eager for others to get their credit. And when they think of their service to their family and to their friends and to their church and to community, community and their work, they say, I don't deserve to serve in this ministry. And yet I get to, by God's grace. God has empowered us to be messengers of this ministry to one another. But we also see in verse 16 that the royal message of the gospel empowers us 
to be a messenger of a changed life to others. Tamara said, yes, we're to be the, we might be the only Bible some people ever read, and that is so true. Listen to what Paul says in verse 16. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. See, in this verse, Paul gives us a reason why he received mercy. And what was that mercy? So that in, that, that in the example of Paul's salvation, from his conversion to that work of sanctification throughout his life, people will see Jesus and believe. Again, in this text, he's describing himself as the worst of sinners. Paul testifies of the boundless and power of grace. See, even a murderer, a thug, a passionate enemy of Jesus can become a son, can become a servant, can become a friend of God. He's saying, if God can save me and work in me, God can save anyone. See, Paul's conversion was a prototype of all future conversions because it was a demonstration of Christ's infinite patience. Listen to how Phil Riken describes this. He says, every Christian can see himself or herself in Paul's conversion, and even sanctification, I would add. And even though many aspects of it were unique, not every convert enters the kingdom of God with blinding lights in the visible, audible presence of the risen Jesus Christ. Not every testimony is identical to Paul, nor should it be. But this conversion experience on the Damascus Road gives hope to everyone because it shows the full extent of God's promise. God is slow to judgment, giving sinners time to repent, and in his grace, is willing, God is willing to pull, put up with a lot from people as he did from Paul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, God chose people whom sin is beyond measure to become his servants, to become his children, to become his very own. And as Paul experienced that reality, he became passionate to be God's messenger, to share his example, both in word and deed, and to proclaim the limitless mercy and patience of Jesus Christ to everyone, to those who did not believe. He was captured by the royal message of God, and he delighted to be that messenger of the gospel to others. That was Paul, but that is also true for us. If we are a part of God's family in Christ, the example of your salvation, of your conversion, of your groan of Christ, of saving a big-time sinner can help others believe too. As God used Paul, he delights to use us to be that proclaimer, to be that messenger. See, not only do we receive the personal benefits of being saved by Jesus and being ruled by Jesus, but our salvation, your story of salvation, benefits others that they too may believe. So we too become compassionate as Paul to share because we are amazed that Jesus would save a big sinner like you and like me. And we want others to benefit from this amazing grace. See, we can, as Paul did, share our lives with others because of this royal message has come to us and is captivating us and is changing us. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to identify those people in your lives 
that God is calling you to share this royal message of the gospel, both in word and in deed. Where, who are those two or three people that you begin, can begin praying for so that you can seek to know them in their story? And as you pray for them, asking God to give you opportunities to weave the message of the gospel into their lives as they see it in your lives. Who are those two or three people that God is calling you to be that messenger of this good news of this royal message today? Although Paul had been a blasphemer, a violent persecutor, this royal announcement of the gospel of Christ had overpowered, overwhelmed, and overflowed to him. He received mercy partly because of his ignorant belief, meaning that he didn't know all that he was doing was crazy and wrong, but yet God did show that to him, but partly and mostly in order to demonstrate to future generations the limitless patience of Jesus, right? Someone, as you're investing their lives, they may not come to Christ right away. My father took some time. My brother-in-law took some time. Friends at work took some time. But God is working in you and through you to be the word and the message and the life of Jesus to those in your life. If we are experiencing Jesus more and more deeply, we will desire more and more to be that messenger to those in which we come across. We can share the gospel confidently, powerfully, humbly, with as much fervor and power today as we grow in our relationship with Christ. I did not know Tamara was going to share that song this morning, but it's neat how God works. I'm just going to read the, the words of this song. You're going to see it overhead. It is by Candon Call. Listen to this, these words. Drink from these words. It's a message of 1 Timothy chapter 1. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All of my life I've been told I belong at the end of a line with all the other not-quites and with all the never-get-it-rights. But it turns out they are the ones you were looking for all this time because I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave me a heart, a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living in the world to see nobody but Jesus. Moses had stage fright. David brought a rock to a sword fight. You picked 12 outsiders nobody would ever chosen, and you changed the world. Well, the moral of the story is everybody's got a purpose, so when I hear the devil start talking to me, saying, who do you think you are? I say, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. And ever since you rescued me, you gave me a heart to sing a song, the living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living in the world to see nobody but Jesus. And I love this line. So let me go down, down, down in history as another blood-bought faithful member of the family and if they all forget my name, well, that's fine with me. I'm living in the world today so that people will see nobody but Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, Father, may that be our message of those who have been captivated, who have received this royal message of the gospel, that you've come to save us and to rule us and to sanctify us and to change us, that because of this gospel, not only are we saved from our sins, but you are changing us. 
we are being changed as we more and more rest and trust in you. So, Father, continue to do that movement of grace. Holy Spirit, continue to empower us to be thankful as we serve others, but also empower us to be that faithful minister of the gospel, taking to the world this good news that saves souls, that brings people into a forever eternal relationship with Christ, that we would join even Gala's in her testimony, that we would want to bring others to know this Jesus. Because we know how much we've been saved from. We know how much we need to be changed. We, all, we know how much that limited patience has been, been shown to us through you, Lord Jesus. Do that work of grace, I pray, for me and for this congregation. And for those who may not have trusted you, Jesus, may Holy Spirit, may you do that work of grace, even now today, to see this powerful world message for themselves. That they have a Savior who wants to save them from their sins. They have a God who wants to change their lives and mold it into the fashion, into the image of Christ that they would tune today experience the limited patience of grace. Oh, Jesus, do that work, we pray. Amen. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org.